All right, folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Thursday night as I am recording this following the final preseason game of the year. The Nuggets get their first win. It only took them five, but they finally got it. They will finish the preseason one and four after an overtime victory over the Oklahoma City Thunder. Final score, 113-107. Rather than bore you on just, I mean, well, I mean, I'm not going to bore you. Like, I think that this is a, this was an interesting game from a perspective of getting to watch some of the guys that aren't going to play as much and try to figure out who best to watch during the regular season, what is going to happen, what's Devon Reed looking like, how does Bol Bol Zeke Naji respond to extended minutes, and I thought that we were treated to some good stuff, but the biggest development of the night was Marcus Howard putting on a show. He scores 31 points on nine threes, goes nine of 17 from the three-point line, just had the open li- the green light, uh, fired up a bunch of shots made a bunch of them rain, including hitting the game-tying three to send the game into overtime. Um, Really good stuff. Really good stuff from him. Good stuff from Bones and and that closing stuff. Uh, But I'm going to focus more first-half notes in the first segment, second-half notes in the second segment, and then do more general preseason takeaways in the third. This will be my last show of the week before just sort of preparing for next week and and all of the things to come. But yeah, the first thing that really stands out with this group was that it was a very shorthanded group. The Nuggets, they didn't have Nikola Jokic, Michael Porter, Monte Morris, Aaron Gordon, Jeff Green, Jamichael Green, and Jamal Murray. Um, It was a lot of guys, a lot, a lot of guys. And uh, they did start Will Barton. He was the only starter that was out there, still coming back from an ankle injury. They wanted to get him out there, get him some reps, and I thought that that paid off. But Denver, in the place of a bunch of guys, they start Faku Campazo, Austin Rivers, Will Barton, Zeke Naji, and Bull Bull. Thought it was interesting that they went back to two bigs, and I thought that those two bigs were okay, uh, pretty good for the most part. Barton was scoring the ball very well, especially early. He only played in the first half and thought he shot the ball very confidently, moving very well on the offensive end. I thought he did pretty well with that expanded role, uh, kind of as the de facto first option with that group. Isolated a couple times, got got into transition a couple times, did a nice job, had one possession in particular. Pretty sure it was against Josh Giddy. Josh Giddy tries to go up against him. Barton just rips the ball free, dribbles the length of the court, gets up a contested layup, and, and just contorts his body really well to get that ball up on the rim and makes it. Very impressive move. Uh, he looks ready for preseason or for regular season action. Had 14 points on nine shots, six of nine, two of two from three. Only two rebounds, one assist, but did have a steal and a block. Uh, was pretty good. I thought that he was in in good form for this game, and Nuggets fans should be very excited that he will be ready for the regular season, in my opinion. Oh, and P.J. Dozier didn't play, by the way. That's the one guy that I forgot. Um, On the other end of the spectrum, Faku Campazo did not have a good game, especially in the the first quarter. 
multiple air balls in the first quarter. And it's just not a great sign that Faku just has not found the range at all. Uh, clearly is struggling with his outside shots. Multiple air balls. Total number of air balls is somewhere around one per game right now in the in the preseason. And in a situation where Denver is trying to find solutions with their bench, having a guy that's airballing as much as he is and, and just not really providing a bunch of offensive gravity, not a great sign. Um, Composo only had two assists in 22 minutes, 0 of 4 from the field for zero points. Was a team worst minus 12 in this game? And though some of that was because he didn't close the game, uh, that was because Marcus Howard and Bones Highland were closing the game in their place. And I thought that those guys really outperformed him. So he's got to watch out. I, that's all I will say on that for now. Um, Zeke Naji, really impressed with him tonight. Thought that this was a really good opportunity for him to stand out, gets that start, uh, gets an opportunity kind of in a a more logical environment than the summer league environment was, where you have just a bunch of guys who aren't going to play. Tonight, he at least got to play next to Will Barton, Faku, Austin Rivers, Bones Highland, um, and a variety of other guys that he would play next to during an actual regular season game. And I thought that his defense really stood out. He made plays defensively all night, uh, especially in that first quarter. That second quarter was just a menace switching onto guards, switching onto forwards, and hounding everybody in sight. Nobody could really get by him. Uh, People tried. He blocked Trey Mann's uh, shot at the rim. That was his only block, but it really did feel like he was everywhere tonight, forcing a lot of misses, uh, doing a lot of good in getting into passing lanes, getting into the airspace of the opposing team. And to cap it all off, he has six rebounds, Two assists, one steal, one block, but he hits a three. uh, Still went three of nine from the field for eight points. Um, But defensively, that's the most important thing. He has to find that rhythm defensively, has to be that impactful guy defensively. He said post-game that he thought he was one of the best defensive players on the team. And I think that bears out tonight. So good for him for having that confidence. I hope he continues to get to show it. Bull Bull had three blocks tonight by himself, including one uh, that was a kind of a discipline block is what I would call it, where he slides his feet really well, puts himself into good position to kind of make up the ground that the offensive player believes that they have. But because Bull Bull is sliding his feet, does a good job of challenging the ball at the rim, uh, did a good job of blocking it against the glass. Thought he kind of wavered in his effort throughout the night. It definitely wasn't a perfect night for Bull Bull, but when you get 12 rebounds and you get three blocks and he limits himself to three turnovers in 31 minutes, uh, that's better. That's progress. So still some stuff on the offensive end where anytime he gets the ball and kind of freestyles, you just know have no idea what you're going to get, and most of the time it's bad. But... I still like what I saw overall. Bones Island came in in that first quarter, hit a couple threes, um, including the second one to kind of start that second quarter. 
Uh, it wasn't his night as a shooter. I thought that he did a good job of impacting the game in kind of the playmaking space by driving and kicking. Uh, not a great game for him overall, though. It was a great game for Davon Reed, though. I thought he impressed with his play on both ends. A bit like Torrey Craig in that his aggressiveness sort of puts him out of position a couple times. He definitely wants to be hounding the opposing ball handler to the point of like being physical with them. It reminds me a lot of Torrey Craig, where sometimes you'll be very good with that, uh, be very impactful, be very physical, and it impacts the opposing player. Sometimes that opposing player uses your physicality against you, that aggressiveness against you, and gets you called for fouls, gets you out of position by bumping a, uh, by jumping at shot fakes, excuse me. And I would definitely say that he has some stuff to learn, but he was definitely a net positive tonight. Had multiple assists, had multiple threes, uh, really good stuff from him. And then Austin Rivers, final thing for the, the first segment here, had a couple of strong defensive sequences and rotations on the back line in that first half. Don't think he played the second half, if I'm not mistaken, but, or he might have. He, it just, I don't remember. Um, oh no, he didn't. He didn't. Um, but I would still say that something feels off with him. Something feels off with kind of the combination of him and Faku. Uh, I don't know who's at fault there. I don't know what's going on. But everything just sort of seems off with that group. Uh, I think Rivers has to do a better job of when he does catch the ball, has to put up a shot. Uh, Often he is catching the ball and holding it, jab stepping. And that's just not going to fly. It sort of slows down everything on the second unit because he's not a good enough driver to the rim. Especially now, kind of, he, he was better when he was younger, but now not as good of a driver to the rim. So he has to be ready to catch and then shoot when he does get that opportunity. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about the second half and overtime. We will be right back. Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you could, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. That helps grow the program. Saw a new review come in. Very nice of uh, the individual who posted that. So thank you very much. Uh, It really does mean a lot. It gets to show the progress of what I'm doing, and I really like that. All right. Second half and overtime, because this game, the fifth and final preseason game in which a whole bunch of injuries and absences occurred, had to go to overtime. Uh, that's always great. Um, but it was a fun one. It was an entertaining game for sure. Um, Bones and Flacco started the second half for Will Barton and Austin Rivers. Those guys, veterans, they didn't really need to prove anything. Uh, Bones, he was a good point guard throughout the second half. And I say that because he ran the point. So many times where he was the guy directing the offense, moving uh, making sure that everybody was in correct position, and it wasn't it wasn't Faku. 
which just kind of stands out that several times when those guys are on the floor, it's Bones who's the guy who's directing traffic, who's navigating, who's making the passes, who's creating for others. And Fock, who's kind of the guy that takes the back seat. Now, I'm not sure. Like, I, I think a lot of people would want Faku to take the front seat. But I know that his best role is not to take the back seat on the offensive end, is not to be kind of that complimentary spot-up shooter, especially if he's airballing. So there is something there that if those two are sharing the floor, I'm not sure it's going to be a good unit. And there's at least uh, there's at least some inkling of me that thinks that maybe Faku should be the guy that's out. Just because it doesn't seem like that group ever finds a great rhythm. I wonder if Rivers might actually be a better option because he's just a little bit more size, gets a little bit more switchability with him out there over Faku. Uh, There are multiple times where both Bones and Faku are out there and they get switched onto a bigger player and it's just an automatic foul or an automatic bucket. One of the two. So... Denver has to find other ways where they can get more size with their second unit. Because I think this is going to be an issue throughout the year, especially while Jeff Green is the center, Jamichael Green is the center. Both of those guys are out there. They're already undersized for the five. So Denver's got some questions on the second unit that we'll talk about. But yeah, Bones was a good point guard. He had seven assists. Kept the turnovers to a minimum, only had two, uh, three rebounds, 13 points. 13 points on 15 shots, though, that ain't going to fly. This was his first really inefficient game to the point where he just didn't have an impact uh, from an offensive perspective to the degree that you would hope. But the good thing is that this is the preseason game. He has a lot of pressure on him. This was the second night of a back-to-back. He played 36 minutes. I'm not sure how many back-to-backs he's actually played before. So it wouldn't surprise me. He was just a little tired out there. Um, But he wouldn't hear him complain about it, that's for sure. So we'll just have to see. Um, Bulbul had a a couple better moments offensively. Had a nice uh, coast-to-coast mid-range jumper. That he took, he grabbed the offense or he grabbed the defensive rebound, kind of navigated his way through the lane, through the middle of the floor, and then got down to the other side and, and rose for a kind of what what was a wild jumper, but he is just so good at when it looks wild, he he's actually perfectly on balance with his shot, and he's a very talented shooter. So made that one pretty easily. It's all about weaponizing that. It's all about making that more consistent, giving him opportunities where he can do that more consistently. Um, I would be a little bit concerned about the sustainability of that, and especially if he's in a situation where Jeff Green, Jamichael Green are the guys, he's playing the three, maybe he plays the four for one of them at times, and that looks a little bit better. But if he's at the three doing that, I'm not sure that's going to be a good solution for Denver going forward. Vlatko was pretty impressive as an outside outside shooter. Um, had an and one as well, and multiple threes. Uh, that's one thing that Bones really did that stood out. Uh, the read that Bones was consistently making was when he was driving to uh, the strong side, where there was only a strong side shooter in the corner. 
if that player's defender would help off of him at all, Bones was making very precise and quick reads, passing that ball, dumping it off right to that strong side corner. And more often than not, it was Vlatko. And Vlatko was making those shots, making those, just getting those shots up pretty quickly. And he made defenses pay. I thought that that was a pretty good look for Vlatko. It was a very strong game overall for him. Thought that his defense, thought that his overall basketball IQ was pretty high in this game and helped really elevate what Denver was doing. Um, It's not always perfect with him, but started the second half, and I thought that he didn't look out of place there at all. Uh, Goes 12 points, 4 of 10, 3 of 6 from 3. Only 4 rebounds, but did have a steal. It's pretty good. But the main story tonight was Marcus Howard. Um, He had 8 points in the first half, did did pretty well, excuse me, um, had a couple threes, had a, I think it was an off the dribble too. But then he really took over in the second half in overtime. And it was crazy. He only had three points in the third quarter as well. I went back and looked at it, had 11 points in the fourth quarter, nine points in overtime, just got up a ton of shots, 31 points on 22 shots, nine of 17 from three. Also got five rebounds. Did have one assist, had one steal, only one turnover, was a team high plus 19 in his 31 minutes out of the 53 that they played. And it's just very impressive to see somebody like that finally catch fire, given how hard he works, given what he's doing day in, day out. He had to go back and sign a two-way contract, despite the fact that he played well in the playoffs, uh, didn't get an opportunity with another team. But Denver? They took a chance on him. They brought him back. And you like to see the aggressiveness from him that in this final scenario where Bones has already proven himself, Zeke had a good game, Bull had a few moments, Barton got his shots early. It was Marcus Howard's time where he could really prove to not just the Nuggets, not just the Grand Rapids gold, which is where I think he'll spend a lot of his time, but to 29 other teams out there that he is an NBA player that give him a little bit of daylight, give him a little bit of an opportunity, and he has the capability to be able to get up 31 points on 22 shots. Now, it wasn't great defense from OKC, but there were still some really tough shots that Marcus Howard took, stepping back to his left, including the contested three that he made with three seconds left to go That where Denver was down three. They needed a shot. He navigated the pick and roll well, stepped back to his left, and hit that shot like it was nothing. It's exactly what you want to see from him. Bones made some plays too down the stretch, but really it was Howard who was the hero. Like I said, nine points in OT. Denver had uh, 11 points in OT. Bones made the, the final two free throws. But it was great to see that Denver had somebody who could take a go to down the stretch and who was very confident. It wasn't Bones' night, not from a a shooting perspective anyway. But it was a really good night for Marcus Howard to show what he could do to consistently be uh, a threat, a number one option, somebody who, when the going got tough, they went to him. And that's something that he can do. Let's take a final break. When we come back, we are going to discuss the overall preseason takeaways. We will be right back. 
All right, we're back. Final segment, pickaxe and roll here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Let's get into the major preseason takeaways. There aren't that many. I will say that this was a preseason where I still have more questions than I do answers in a lot of these cases where Denver goes one and four. You don't know necessarily what is real, what is not real when it comes to how the offense played consistently, whether the defense is going to step up and be good or not, uh, which players are going to step up in that regard. Still looking for some of those answers to be filled, uh, but for now I have five takeaways. Number one, Nikola Jokic looks ready to go. Played in three of the games, looked really good in all three. Uh, Just a very, very consistent metronome of a player. Uh, Really stands out just how well he performs in all of these cases where it's just so easy for him on the offensive end. And then he actually made some plays on the defensive end as well. Uh, During this preseason, he shot 56%, 45 from three, 89 from the free throw line, averaged 16, 10, and six. And 1.7 turnovers, that's a really good indication that, hey, he was involved in his 24 minutes per game. And in 24 minutes per game, averaged 16, 10, and 6. I mean, good Lord. That production's really impressive. Also had one steal and 1.7 blocks. So he is all around ready to go. And any questions that there would be about, is Jokic about to take a step back after his MVP last year. I think he's put those to bed. He seems ready. I don't think there's any reason why he would struggle. He's just in a very good place physically, very good place mentally. And I don't see why that would change. I mean, he did just become a dad. So I I don't know. Like I, I have zero experience in, in that regard of whether that changes the, the mental psyche from a performance standpoint. But uh, he seems like he's in a really good place. And he understands his place in the league. He understands his place for this Nuggets team, what is expected of him, and he's ready to deliver. Number two, Michael Porter, uh, still finding his rhythm, still finding his rhythm on both the offensive and defensive end. Uh, Thought it was pretty apparent that in the one game that Jokic didn't play that MPJ did, Porter had 23 points on 22 minutes, pretty sure. Was very efficient, very effective, was able to get his shots up, play a very strong brand of basketball. I think he had 16 points in the first quarter of that game. Other than that, it's been a little bit more not not rough go, but just just kind of standard for Michael Porter. Hasn't really shown much more other than what he showed last year. Did have a game against Minnesota where he had six assists. Most of those were simple reads and I think he has to continue to make those if he can. Uh, But there were also some games where he didn't get others involved. There were also some games where he couldn't really find the efficient shot consistently. I thought that he took a lot of tough shots in this last game against OKC. Shots that he really didn't need to take. Uh, He is an aggressive shooter. He's always going to get those shots up. What makes him a great player is that he makes those shots at such a high efficiency that it's okay, but you still want to to find more sustainable shots where he makes it easier on himself so that if the tough shots aren't going consistently, 
he can still get some easy ones. Um, I don't remember who it was, but somebody told me that for a superstar, the breakdown of their shots, the breakdown of their their open their open baskets. Somebody in the league told me that the best players in the NBA, they're only going to get about four to five open shots a game, like wide open, where you make the most of that opportunity. And the best the best players in the NBA, they make those shots at an 80 to 100% clip, always making the defense pay for leaving them open. And then on the contested shots, on the ones that are like in rhythm, but but potentially well defended, you have to go about 40 to 60% on a consistent basis. If you go 40%, you're usually okay. 60%, you're leading yourself to a really good night. And you're probably taking about eight to 10 of your shots in that regard. Michael Porter, sometimes when he is playing the way that he is, sometimes that breakdown, it goes from about five open shots a game, like wide open in rhythm shots, to about one or two, where he struggles to generate those for himself consistently and is often forced to, because he's a star, he wants to get up the number of shots that he's supposed to be getting up every game. That's how he feels like he can best impact the game. The problem is that if those aren't in rhythm, and if he's making those at a below average clip, or if he's just kind of throwing the offense off because they're not really expecting him to take some of those shots, putting themselves out of position, not necessarily trusting his judgment, then that's a bad thing for the team regardless of if those shots are going in. So he's got to find himself into a better rhythm. He's got to find his spots a little bit better. The team has to find his spots and be comfortable with him shooting some tougher shots. But he can't be all tough shots. That's what I'll say. Number three, there may be some bumps in the road defensively. I think that anybody watching these five games, there would be a lot of questions about Denver defensively. And for good reason. They haven't really defended well. Uh, I will say that I'm not super concerned about Denver's defense during the regular season. I think that they'll find solutions. They will find the opportunities to defend when they need to, when they have to be locked in. But if they can't get to a certain baseline performance, then they're going to lose those games to Oklahoma City, those games to Orlando, Sacramento, whoever. Those are going to drive the coaching staff crazy. It's going to remind people of 2019-20, the season before, or basically the bubble season, where Denver was losing to all these sub-500 teams, and a lot of people were asking questions about, are they actually any good because of this? I was always on the side that they could get up for those good games, uh, for those games against the top teams, but this time they don't have Jamal Murray to do that. This time, they're relying on Michael Porter. There are going to be some bumps and bruises along the way there. So they have to find that better place defensively. And I just don't think that they have. I asked Michael Malone pregame whether there was a defensive leader on the team. And he said no. He said that usually uh, the, the big man would do that. But I, he said that he thinks that we have to do it collectively. 
That's it can't just be Nicola. It has to be the guards who are doing well on ball. It has to be the the wings who are in rotation, the big men who are in rotation, who are communicating. And that's not a great sign to me. Like I really think that somebody has to take charge of the defense, uh, personnel-wise, player-wise, where they want to be the player that is communicating. They want to be the guy that is directing traffic, making sure that everybody is doing their job. And until that happens, I don't think that Denver's going to be a very good defensive team. They're going to have to rely on their offense. And if there are questions offensively, that's going to lead to some ugly games, at least at the beginning. Number four, the bench still has major problems to answer about their steadiness, about their ability to be consistent. There have been times where they've performed well, where the effort has been good, the execution has been good, and there have been times where the effort has been fine and the execution has been crap on both ends of the floor. It's not just the offensive or defensive end. It's both. It's kind of uh, everything. And that comes from a lot of players not knowing what their roles are. Uh, P.J. Dozier kind of comes to mind there where he was starting for three games and then went back to the bench for that fourth game against OKC yesterday and just looked very different, looked like a completely different player in that regard. These guys have to find a solution that they can build towards and that they can rely upon consistently. And until they find that, uh, the bench is going to be a major question mark. You're going to see Jokic play 36 minutes, 38 minutes, 40 minutes on nights where he probably should be playing 32. And if that happens, then sure, Jokic is going to have an MVP caliber year. I don't think anybody's questioning that. But is it for the greater good if Jokic is having to work as hard as he is in order to just scrape by, give Denver these wins against good to average teams? I'm concerned. I'm definitely concerned about the bench. And number five, Bones is going to be out there. Not sure how much of a a leash he's going to have. I guess it's going to be pretty short. Uh, But I do think that Bones has earned his way into the regular rotation. I think he has outperformed many of the guards on the roster, actually, but mostly the ones that are most important for him making it, which is Austin Rivers and Faku Campazzo. Uh, his ability to hit threes, to space the floor, to be aggressive from out there, that's something that that bench unit needs. They need somebody who has a lot of pop factor, who can generate 10 points in quick order, who can get a 20-point performance, who can generate five to seven assists off the bench just by being active, just by being a playmaker. I think he's going to play. I think he's going to be awesome. Uh, There are going to be bumps just like we talked about. And a a good explanation, not a good example of that, excuse me, is tonight where He is still learning how to best impact the game, how to navigate back-to-backs, probably pretty tired. He's going to have to learn how to fight through that. And these are all steps in the learning process that he will undergo. If he can navigate them well, he could be in line for a big role, even after Jamal Murray comes back. I'm very interested to see how that goes. 
that's pretty much it, folks. I'm. Uh, this has been a very interesting preseason, a very interesting time for this team where they're trying to find their identity without Jamal Murray. Jokic is going to be impactful. He's probably going to carry the load. He's going to get some support from Porter and Barton. But this team still has a lot of questions to answer. I'm very curious to see how they go about it. And we're going to get our first impression of it Wednesday night, just a few days away. That is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Make sure to use MHS, code MHS, when you sign up. I will be back next week. Uh, We are going to preview the entire regular season, the entire playoff picture, uh, sort of take away our preseason takeaways from this, and then approach this with a couple of guests, I think. I think we'll get in some new voices, talk to a few new people about what's going on, maybe bring on some stiffs along the way. Should be really good. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. You all have been awesome. We'll talk to you guys next week.